We are so excited to announce that the second edition of Tamina Watson's book, The Startup Visa, Key to Job Growth and Economic Prosperity in America, is now out for order. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get your books. You can do so by searching The Startup Visa Book or by finding Tamina Watson's author page on Amazon or online. That is spelled T-A-H-M-I-N-A-W-A-T-S-O-N. Thank you so much for your support and for tuning in to this episode. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's so nice to be able to speak with so many people from around the globe. It's an honor and a privilege. I want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you for listening to us for so many years. I also want to take the opportunity to remind you of our services. At Watson Immigration Law, we primarily focus on business immigration. That means people who are starting companies such as startups and startup visas, and those include H-1Bs, L-1s, E-2s, O-1 visas, and many more. We help with all sorts of green cards, whether they're employment-based or family-based. We also help with citizenship cases. If you have questions about anything, you can reach us at www.watsonimmigrationlaw.com. That's www.watsonimmigrationlaw.com. We have a very active blog where we talk about new updates that are happening all the time. I would invite you to subscribe to our blog, which is on our website, and you'll find the tab for the blog where you can put your email in and subscribe. Our office phone number is 206-292-5237. That's plus one if you're not in the United States. 206-292-5237. And our email address is info at Watson Immigration law.com. We essentially help with all business immigration, investment immigration, and family-based immigration. I hope you'll subscribe to the blog, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Please also find our articles in Above the Law and Entrepreneur Magazine. Thank you so much. We wish everybody a wonderful 2022. Welcome to the Startup Visa Podcast. I am your host, Tamina Watson. I am an immigration attorney at Watson Immigration Law and the author of the book, The Startup Visa. This podcast is a spin-off from the book. Here, we will discuss tips and strategies to make immigration cases successful for founders, entrepreneurs, investors, and business owners. Thanks for tuning in to the Startup Visa Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to a new edition of the Startup Visa Podcast. I'm your host, Tamina Watson, and I am so grateful and honored to speak with a guest on air that I cannot wait for you to meet. Sridhar Kata is the CEO of TRUVS.com, and he is an inspiration to me, and I have been on a very long journey with him. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that journey so you, the listener, have an insight to what an entrepreneur in heart has to do to get to the dream of entrepreneurship. Sridhar, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you, Tamina. I'm so grateful and honored to be here. 
I'm so grateful and honored to be speaking with you on air and to know you. You know, it's interesting because we are in a very hopeful moment for a startup visa in this country. And listeners will know that there are various bills that are pending in Congress, both in the House and the Senate. Some have passed, some are pending. But there's also a new program called the International Entrepreneur Parole. And these were not options that were available to you back in the day when you wanted to really dive into entrepreneurship for so many reasons. So your story is really important for people to understand about the obstacles that immigration bring to people like yourself. And you're just an example. You're a shining example. And I'm just so grateful to have been on this journey to see the twists and turns that we have both been through <laughs> to get to this end point. So Sridhar, our listeners would love to know about your background, your country, your education. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Before I go there, I, I'm grateful to be associated with you. You've been part of my journey. So as much as I am, so you know the perils and the tensions we had to go through. So I'm really grateful that you helped me through this. And, you know, I not only have a great lawyer, but also a great friend if I have any problems, right? So <laughs> I'm yeah, grateful I'm for honest. this. I'm honored. I'm honored. So honored. Thank you for letting yeah. me help you. Well, tell us about your background. Yeah. So I'm a typical software engineer, started my journey in 95. That's the first time I came to US. Then I grew the ranks of software industry and I became a general manager of IT consulting company. And then that company sponsored me for a MBA program in India. And this is, uh, I did my MBA from one of the best business schools in India. It's called Indian School of Business. You know, it's very tough to get into school. I didn't know that, <laughs> but somehow wow. I scraped through that passing that school, you know, I thought I got a good score when going into school, but apparently I was in the bottom 10%. So, you know, that tells how the standards in the school. Wow. Uh, so that, uh, it, the reason I bring it up is till that point, I was more or less like a technocrat. I was very skeptical about doing business and did not have confidence about my capabilities as an entrepreneur. And at that point, my eyes opened and I did really well in business roles after that. And I always wanted to break the shackles and start something on my own because there are so many constraints as an employee, right? You can only hit the glass ceiling, you know, after a few initiatives, you know, there'll be so many constraints. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think it was in my genes and I did not realize until, you know, I actually started doing the business roles. So that's the background and education. Do you want me to expand a little bit more? I mean, well, I, I think uh, well, I think the natural expansion is when did you arrive in the US? Yes, yes. So I first arrived in US 1995. That's like 27 years back. Wow. And then I think it's okay to say you recently got your green card. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. So from 1995 to 2022. I mean, I don't even know how to do the math on that. <laughs> I mean, that's a long time to be waiting for a green card. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the various pain points of this immigration journey. Yeah. We, we do know that there is, you know, a green card backlog for people from India. 
there are sponsorship problems. Tell us a little bit about that. So somebody who has no idea about immigration can hear it from you, the various pain points. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, this is a very unique situation, but it is also, I'm hearing a lot of people probably are in similar boards, but, you know, my situation is unique because some of the main reasons, I will split my story into two phases, right? You know, first phase is when I purposefully did not want a green card in between 95 to 2000 because I always wanted to go back to India. But before going back to India, I started the process of green card and uh, see if that helps. But unfortunately, at the time, you know, it didn't come through for whatever reasons, even though my personal case was correct and everything was approved, my employer at the time did not have enough qualification to get the green card. So that was shut down. And I came back to US after a brief stint in India. And then we started the process again. That was 2007. And then my employer had challenges, so I had to find jobs. Then 2010 is when my literally after spending at that point, I've already had like close to 11 to 12 years in US. 2010 is when my immigration is practically got reset. 2010 is start of phase two. And that is the date which is there in my priority work visa and green card processing. Finally, I had to abandon it because I had to abandon all this process. And my son, who is a U.S. citizen, sponsored me. And I got my green card in maybe less than two years after we abandoned the whole process. So it's just so many ups and downs. You know, it's just so much of uncertainty, even though I have all the qualifications, all the necessary documentation and experience working with uh, marquee companies like Microsoft, Amazon, you know, you name about it, you know, I have worked with them. So it's a very rough ride, in other words. Yeah, I'm so sorry that you and a lot of people like yourself have to go through this because there are just so many challenges that you have to face, mm-hmm. whether you even buy a house because you don't know if your next H-1B is going to be approved or you can't fulfill your entrepreneurship dream. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the time between the resetting of the clock of 2010. You know, yeah. let's talk about the entrepreneurship obstacles because you obviously couldn't be one, even though you were right. one in your heart. But right. how has your potential been blocked because of not being able to fulfill those entrepreneurship dreams? Yeah. So I was talking to a friend. By the time I got green card, I'm almost 50 right now. Right. So my peak career time, which is below before 50, I mean, I started this in 2010, let's say. Before 2010, it's all my mistake, right? I didn't apply when it's supposed to, but 2010 is when I actually applied. And it took so much time. The backlog was, you know, happening, happening. And you rightly said we were so afraid of buying a house. We did buy a house, but we were ready to, you know, abandon it and, you know, and I say abandon it not live in it. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, And a lot of people did. I mean, especially in the last five years, 
A lot exactly. of people saw denials in their cases when they were waiting for a green card who have U.S. citizen children and yes. who had been, you know, on H-1Bs just in this so-called line. And suddenly yeah. these draconian policies were preventing them from remaining in the U.S., in this waiting line, so to speak. So those people who had houses and cars and children in schools had to pull them out and go back to India and other countries. So it is absolutely true. And it has happened. So I'm so glad you didn't have to do it. Yeah. But you were prepared to, it seems. I was prepared. I was all prepared. I was ready to go anytime. You know, that's how desperate the situation was. And, uh, you know, that Time, like timing is everything in our world, right? Technology, software world, right? I might have lost a lot of opportunities, you know, it's glass doors, right? Shutting doors. I might have lost so many opportunities in this time. This was a big time. If you just look back from now to 2010, this last 12 years, just look at how our North Pacific Northwest has grown this last 12 years. I'm not about before that. So tremendous amount of growth. Right. And unfortunately, you know, I was not able to take complete part of it, even though as an employee, I helped my employers uh, to make money and to expand their brand, expand their capacity to deliver to the customers. But I myself, um, just an employee, right? So I couldn't do much within the constraints I had to work with and did what I could. You know, definitely I could say this last 12 years was a peak growth time in Seattle and I was not able to pursue my entrepreneur dreams in this area. Well, I'm so sorry that has happened, but I hope and pray that the near future and the time that you have now will help you fulfill some of those dreams for sure. But I can totally understand the technology sort of boom that has happened and your expertise in both the technology side as well as the business side would make you feel like you've lost out on some of those things. So let's yeah. talk about the startup visa because yeah. you have been on this journey with me just like I've been on the journey for you on the uh, you know path to a green card. You've been on the journey with me to see how yeah. advocacy can play a role in changing the laws for people like you. And I think we've been, you know, on this path together with each other for over 10 years at this point. Yeah. And, you know, in that time, we've had a startup visa that was introduced. You know, I want listeners to know how grateful I am to you because every time I said, hey, Sridhar, there's a bill out there and I need to advocate and I need a voice. <laughs> you have always held my hands, not only just in that encouraging and motivating, but also lending your voice. We'll be right back. Did you know that a business plan is an essential part of the immigration application process and a critical tool for entrepreneurs? The average business person will spend 250 hours developing an acceptable business plan. Save time, headaches, and avoid visa denials by getting a professional business plan from Master Plans. With over 20 years of experience and over 18,000 business plans under their belt, they deliver best-in-class research, financial modeling, and strategic direction, allowing you to focus on what you do best. Check out Master Plans at masterplans.com or call their team at 877-453-2011. Again, that is masterplanswithans.com or 
2011 to get in touch. Thank you. Now back to our program. And so let's talk a little bit about the startup visa. Why is it important? And how could it have made a difference to you? Yeah, see, it's very straightforward, right? You know, the startup business most logical thing. I don't know why so much thought has to go. It is like a win-win for everybody, right? You know, it's just win-win for the economy, win-win for the candidate who is applying for the visa. The benefits are humongous. If I had the startup visa, I would have probably created a company. I can confidently say that people with at least 100, 200 people working for that company if I had the startup visa, unfortunately, I have to start after I got my green card. So, you know, I'm, I'm still doing baby steps. By the time I have the energy left, continuing my pursuit, you know, I don't know how many jobs will be created, but I will do my best. You know, the opportunity is gone, right? The opportunity is gone. So startup visa would have been at the time, if that option was there, it would have been a blessing for people like me. They would have worked hard to create an enterprise, to create a private enterprise where it could have been a you know, good opportunity for a lot of Americans to get jobs in that company. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a no-brainer, right? Everybody benefits. No-brainer. I'm going to be quoting yeah. you from here on. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, and I have to say, in the last couple of years in the pandemic, the pandemic has exposed the or made more visible the value and benefit of startups in our communities because they're solving you know problems they're innovating which the bigger companies then will acquire to continue that work but it's really a time where while the last 12 years have brought us a lot of technology you know expansions the last two years by necessity have expanded that even further so that, you know, remote working is more acceptable. You are communicating and traveling around the world without leaving your desk and innovating while you're working with your colleagues on the other side of the world. And so there's just so much that's happening. But let me ask you this, Sridhar, even though startups are doing really well in different parts of the world, they still want to come to America to be able to fulfill that dream. And from my perspective, it's because they have a potential customer base that is very large. And if you can make it here, you can make it elsewhere. But there are resources. It's easier to operate a company. These are some of the things that people aspire to. But from your perspective, what does an entrepreneur like you, who's sitting on the other side of the world, see for America when they would have a startup visa to come here? So the number one thing I can think of is the network effect, right? You know, I cannot do things alone, solo, somewhere sitting, you know, in India or some other place. It's the network effect. Think of companies like uh, WhatsApp. In fact, WhatsApp was started by my classmate from Indian School of Business. He didn't start it. He was part of it, the acquisition uh, with uh, Facebook. So... Just look at that company. It was like 24 to 48 people, 40 people who started this company. Today, WhatsApp is part of our lives. That's just one example. But same WhatsApp cannot be, you know, started somewhere in India and get the same traction. It's unlikely to expect that, you know, that software can be plugged in and used by demographies in the U.S. just because the network effect, you know, 
you have so much appreciation for technology in this country that it's so easy to find those network of people who can use it and also the other companies which are plugged with whatsapp it's not a hidden fact that facebook bought whatsapp not because of the capabilities because of the network it has created because of the amount of people on the platform so that's why they bought the whatsapp so it's a great area just you know i went to silicon valley a couple of months back and i went i was in a conference and just unimaginable right you know even though i'm in technology field and i could not stop wondering how this about this new technologies which are coming in you know, a lot of people are uh, know about self driving cars today we have the cars they're already working you know their the statistics show that they are much better than a person driving but they're not coming get so popular because government is doing the right things by making sure there are no challenges and it legal in many aspects so this is a great place to explore the technology experiment with the technology and the network effect is humongous in us you can't do the same thing if you are sitting somewhere in india and trying to make it happen we can't wow. we don't have the same opportunity basically mm. Well, you know, I learn from you every time I speak. I remember many conversations over the last ten years where I had aha moments, where you just jump in with an example, and I'm like, "Oh, now I understand." And yeah. so the WhatsApp one is such an incredible example because I talk about WhatsApp a lot in the context of startups that are doing so well and they've contributed to the economy. But I didn't know this aspect of it, and I definitely didn't know about your friend. You're going to have to introduce me so I can have him on the. podcast yeah But, you know it's it's so true i mean you know what i'm going to quote you in the future is the no brainer startup visa is a no brainer but yeah. also the network effect of yeah. what can happen in america well yes. so that we're going to be running out of time very soon but i wanted yeah. to ask your wisdom for mm-hmm. anybody who is looking for that entrepreneurship freedom in the us what would you say to them because you were in their shoes and a lot of people may still be struggling there may be a startup visa in the future what are your wise words to those people So my wise words would be don't wait for something to happen just do it right you know just uh, go for it and try to learn as much as you can in your job you can be an entrepreneur you do everything you know think of yourself as an entrepreneur that's how i thought of my job basically you know if i was an entrepreneur how would i do it will i take this risk i probably wouldn't but you know some people don't take enough risk in a job because they are afraid of you know losing a job but if you look at uh, your job as a training ground and uh, take enough risk you will learn better you will be able to once you leave your job you will be able to do the things yourself so think of your job as a training ground and also start talking to people who are already doing things on their own there are so many things which i didn't realize you know it is going to be so different because you have to do everything you have to do the details you have to do the top level discussions you have to sometimes be ready to be a janitor if if it <laughs> requires yeah. so all these things you should be ready to do so it's it's a great 
opportunity and also it is meant for people who take risks so I love it. I love it. I'm going to have to quote you again on that. Whether you're an entrepreneur or not, if you have an entrepreneur heart, think of yourself as an entrepreneur because you will also yes. excel in that job you are doing and treat right. that job as your training ground for when yes. you are able to fulfill that dream. Well, that yes. is priceless, absolutely priceless. And I'm going to take that to my heart too. Sridhar, you. <laughs> you know, I think you've touched on this already, but what can we expect from you next? So my company, truis.com, I'm growing it. It's a business and technology consulting company. I want to run it in a unique way where I'm doing a hybrid of consulting and also bring some product flavor in it. We want to grow the company in Northwest and also expand to Bay Area and Texas area right now, immediate plans. And obviously, you know, this will lead to job creation and also, you know, I want to contribute back to the economy in the way it helps the economy pay taxes. I'm happy to pay taxes because, you know, that shows that I'm growing, right? So all these things. And also I have some ideas to on the social responsibility side, right? I don't know if this is the right forum, but, you know, I will just give some visibility to that. One of the things which we are trying to do along with a few friends is how can we bring tutoring to people who are not able to access all the resources, right? So these are volunteers who can provide uh, tutoring to underdeveloped people who need uh, that help. Few of my friends, we are working on that idea and hopefully we, and someday we can do it. So there are a lot of things I want to do. But the time is running out. I'm 52 oh, now. Right? So. Sridhar, you have, you have so much love in your heart and potential. And I love the tutoring idea. You know, I'm all about how do you serve the community more and, yeah. you know, using your skills and technology to expand education is truly remarkable. So I hope you are successful in that. Well, we're running out of time truly, but I wanted to say thank you, Sridhar, for letting me be part of your journey, but also thank holding you. my hands very tightly in the advocacy journey that I've had. And thank you for being a shining example of what brilliant minds bring to the United States. Thank you, Tamina. It's an honor and it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye. for now. Bye. Tamina Talks is brought to you by Watson Immigration Law. Founded in 2009, Watson Immigration Law is one of Seattle's premier immigration firms specializing in business and investment visas, but offering a wide range of immigration services. If you need assistance with your immigration needs, Watson Immigration Law is ready to help. Just call 206-292-5237 to schedule an appointment. Again, you can schedule an appointment at 206-292-5237. Also subscribe to our blog at www.watsonimmigrationlaw.com for immigration updates. Thank you so much for listening.